Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, January 24th, and on today's podcast, we are breaking down the eight games happening in the NBA tonight. We are going to review where my best bets and action are. We will work our way through some of the other games I don't have action on, talk about where those numbers have been moving, where those sharp spots are developing, and what some basketball angles behind some of these numbers might be. Of course, before we get started, let me remind everyone to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform they are listening to, to sign up for the fiddlespicks.substack.com free gambling newsletter, to check out the Fantasy Basketball International YouTube channel, and of course, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you see me right now, I look exhausted, I look scruffy, I'm in my pajamas, and before we get the show started... Everyone's favorite update. What time did Fid start the pod? Because he's nocturnal and is awake in the wee hours of the morning. It's 3.38 right now, fellas. Planned to record this around midnight. Hopped in my bed for a quick half hour around 11.30. It's going to settle, get the energy right, come back to the board, see where the numbers have moved a little bit. Bam, I wake up four hours later. That's not how we planned it. However... Show still goes on, and it starts right now. I'm the type to get shit done. You the type to observe. March Madness on my speakers, but today's November 23rd. Cause I'm loud in the blunt, yeah. I don't say what I want, yeah. Probably somewhere sunny getting tan. Foreign women in the sun, yeah. That's all that I need. That's all that I need. That's all that I need. Got my brothers with me. Got my brothers with me and my mama's healthy. That's all that I need. Before I get started, let me just explain how upset I am that my whole sleep schedule is now thrown off today. I got to spend, I don't know how long, but probably way too long at the DMV. I got to switch my license over to my new state now that I've moved. So I actually need to go take a written test and a driving test. And now, I mean, if I don't get this pod done until about 4 or 4.15 in the morning, I'm probably going to be awake, then go walk Brawny, get back. I might not get to bed by like 5, 5.30, 6 a.m., which means I'm not waking up till noonish, which means I ain't getting to the DMV till 1, which I might be at the DMV all afternoon, so shit, this sucks. Anyways, let's get this thing started. I'm pulling up the odds screen. Of course, I'm going to work off the FanDuel odds screen as I do the show. For no other reason than I think it's simply the cleanest interface to work with. We are going to start this off with the Minnesota Timberwolves going to Washington to face the Wizards. Now, I tweeted a few hours ago, this was a no-brainer over spot at the over 231, where it originally was. Came back a few hours later, I said, wait, 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 wait. It's actually an under spot. It's actually an underspot. We're going to rework. We're going to reposition. So let me explain what happened right at the top with this game. What I saw, what I explained, and how it completely shifted even on me and how I reacted to it in real time. Now, this line opened between 231 and 232 universally. Each book opened it slightly different. Either 231, 231 and a half, or even at 232. I saw DraftKings open this line at 231.5. I saw FanDuel open this line 
at 232, and I saw the 232 was juiced to minus 112 on the over. Correction, DraftKings moved from 231 to 231 and a half is where it originally opened. And it was taking money towards the over even once it already moved. And I said, wow, FanDuel's already pricing it here, juicing the over. There's a point and a half of discrepancy on the board. We have splits coming in that shows money on the over, even at the not the best possible line. There was a 231 and a half, which was still taking over action when there was other 231 still on the board. So I said, okay, if these 231 and a half are still taking action on the over when the 231s were hit, that means that better probably hit a 231 and then was re-entering the market and some of these other books at 231 and a half and grabbing them all. That was my initial reaction. When I see that, that's what I'm originally thinking. However, a few hours later, it completely switched and you could see the number in the splits drastically changed. I actually took screenshots of it. And if you've heard me on this podcast before, you know, I take screenshots of way too many things. I think they're a good little mental reminder of what's happening. So let me pull up my screenshots right now. We had, here we go. Originally, 59% of the bets and 72% of the handle on the over 231.5. And it moved to 232 at a certain point. And then that happened. The 232 came on the board. It lasted mere seconds and switched heavily to the point where there was 41% of bets, but 58% of the money. So we went from 72% of the money on the over to 58% of the money on the under. How does that happen, guys? Massive money came in on the other side. I don't know if it was from a different group. I don't know if it was from individual bettors. All I know is for a handle to switch that big, that quickly, was large money coming into the market, and it was a signal that the whole entire board started dropping. I did not anticipate that to come in, but I was able to read and react. And now when I saw that uh, happen at DraftKings, my bet was at PointsBet. Now the beauty of PointsBet and the beauty of FanDuel, some of these retail books that are preaching customer service tactics will allow you to cash out of a ticket at completely full value, equal value. You are not losing or gaining a cent if the line has not moved and you are still doing it pregame. So I had an over 231. In fact, at PointsBet, it even moved to 231.5 at the time. I was able to cash out because I was even half a point ahead of the market. FanDuel still, I mean, PointsBet still let me cash out at exactly even value. Technically, I even had a good ticket there, but I was reading the rest of the market to say, I don't have a good ticket there. There's CLV compared to the book that you're shopping with. And then there's CLV compared to market consensus. Now, I care about market consensus because I could shop at more than one book and because I feel books react to each other. And I talk about things like moving on air. And these were going to move on air if a book like DraftKings was going to pull that line way down below 231. Then the other ones we're going to start reacting to because it's only a matter of time before they start taking the under money and the handle. And they want to reduce their exposure to the smart betting side as well. So 
started to see these numbers start to come back down. No 232s existed. 231s were popping back on the board. And I had that 231 over where there was a 231.5 cashed out for full value, despite a little half point of CLV, which was actually meaningless. And I repositioned that bet from one unit on the over to one unit on the under. Became a very clear under spot after I thought it was a very clear over spot, which just goes back to the idea that I'm not convinced on my basketball takes. I am not playing. I go back to I am playing the numbers. This is an endless debate on Twitter. Are you playing numbers or sports opinions? It's both. But the numbers matter first and the numbers carry specific values. So if you use the specific values that the numbers are carrying and then you wrap them into a bundle of sports opinions, you then understand where your action is going to be. Now, I can go both ways with sports opinions on this game. We can go Wizards have the highest pace in the NBA this season, or we can go Timberwolves have the number one defense this season. We can go both ways. We can go Carl Anthony Towns just scored 62. So they could score with anyone. We could go with the, they pulled him in the last few minutes to feature a more defensive lineup. So we need to know which basketball angles to apply to which sharp spots. Now, there's sometimes where I will see such noise happening in the market and something like this, where there's such a strong underhandle coming in, such a reversal happening, still the best number to grab on the board and an ability for me to completely pivot from within my position, of course I'm going to do it. So I cashed out equal value and re-put that to the under at the same exact spot. Uh, let's talk about the Pistons versus Hornets. So that's actually the one of my best bets is going to be the under 231.5. Let me quickly look up where the best available line for that is right now. Give me one second. NBA spreads, not NCAA, NBA totals. So you can get an under 230 at Caesars, points bet, and DraftKings. If you still want to play that, it is 229.5 pretty much everywhere else, including some very sharper books. So it seems like that's where it's going to end up and be below the 230. So if you could play the 230 underneath, consider it. Also consider maybe this has been priced down. Maybe this has just been too noisy for you that you don't want any action here, in which case I'd actually really respect that because there's a lot of power in actually not submitting a bet. If you don't like a market, you think it's noisy, you think a line's a trap, whatever. Let's apply that to this game. Charlotte Hornets visiting the Detroit Pistons. And the Detroit Pistons are the clear sharp side of the market. Line opens minus one, moves out to minus three, two points of movement towards the Pistons. Now, is that relative to the Terry Rozier news? No. Mike, why isn't that relative to the Terry Rozier news? Well, kind of, but this line came out after we had already learned about the Rozier trade. So when it was priced at the plus minus one, we had already known that Rozier was off the Hornets. So we'd have to look into other injury reports, who replacement options are. Is Lowry going to be active? Maybe they thought Lowry was going to be active, but it turns out he wasn't. Let's go back to the what I said coming into this game. 
Sometimes we need to apply basketball opinions to what's happening in the numbers and see if we have a meeting. Do you want to back the Pistons as the sharp spot? Do you want to try and figure out the noise, whether the Pistons are the sharp spot or it's because of the trade rumors or not rumors, trade around the Charlotte Hornets? I don't know the answer to that question. I can tell you the splits right now would show you there's some reverse line movement, which is a really nice indicator on the Pistons. However, do you want to back the Pistons to cover a spread? Do you want to pay minus 146 for Pistons as a money line home favorite? They're what, five wins? They're playing against a team with what, seven or eight wins? Brandon Miller's playing really well. That's really nice to see. Uh, Gross. I want nothing to do with that. I also want nothing to do with this Heat Grizzlies because I would be all for fading Grizzlies, but they're very well coached. So are the Heat. But this Jenkins team, he's one of my favorite coaches in the league, bar none. And they're playing really hard despite being loaded with replacement options. Now, Grizzlies, they're probably going to have Triple J, but like featuring Vince Williams and Gigi Jackson and uh, Jacob Gilliard and Luke Kennard doing so much stuff. Like, normally give me the Heat minus 10 and a no-brainer here. No-brainer. But this Grizzlies team keeps covering. They even keep, like, outright winning. They've won two out of their last five, even though they're, like, double-digit dogs in every game. So I don't know. I it's, It feels like I don't want to back them. Of course, Heat losing their last three before coming into this contest. Who knows if they will have Rozier, uh, And then again, if you look at the total, 213, do you really want to play a minus 10 favorite with an over-under of 213? It is hard to cover a 10-point spread and these larger spreads in games where these lower totals are happening. You know the possibility of outcome combinations that result in the Heat winning by 10 or more, but only scoring around 213 is significantly less then going over here and talking about this game floating in the 230s. Right? If Timberwolves are going to win by 11 and a half, there's about 20, 30 more outcome combinations in this game than this game. Sorry, not everyone's watching. There's about 30 more outcome combinations in the uh, spread for Timberwolves-Wizards as there are for Grizzlies Heat because of the respective game totals. Let's talk about Houston Rockets, Portland Trailblazers. Portland coming off a back-to-back where they almost stole one against OKC, if not for the late craziness with the Brogdon stuff. I don't even want to get into it. It's Portland Trailblazers. No one gives a shit. You know what I want to get into? Why is Portland petitioning to the league office for a win? Maybe they're doing it for optics, but they don't want extra wins. What What are they? What are they doing? They want to be near the bottom of the barrel. They don't need to. to, And, of course, Adam Silver is not going to overturn that and give them the win all of a sudden. I mean, in actually those situations, it kind of goes back to, like, the Lions-Cowboys game in NFL a few weeks ago with a two-point conversion. If the ref makes a blatant and obvious call that screws it up in the final seconds of the game, and we have those, like, uh, I think the ESPN version of the win projector is awful, but I think there are enough very reliable sports algorithms to come up with a win probability for these games, where if we looked at 
the Portland Trailblazers versus OKC last night. If the missed call with uh, Brogdon and Chauncey Billups and the technicals doesn't end up happening, what are the chances that Portland wins that game? What is it, 90-plus percent? If we go back to the Lions versus Cowboys and the Lions end up converting that two-point conversion, what's the chances that the Lions hold on to that game despite the Cowboys having 30 seconds to try and get into field goal range? Uh, 95% Lions. So if I'm a commissioner, and if anyone wants to interview me to be a commissioner, I'll happily speak about helping your league. I'm switching it and saying I'm I'm flipping the winner. Like, sorry, Dallas Cowboys fans, that you got more screwed or you're going to end up getting screwed, but we know that the Lions got completely fucked in losing the game. However, you were probably going to lose the game, so you're getting less screwed in the result. Anyways, that's convoluted. Neither here nor there. Portland Trailblazers on the back-to-back against Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets would be the side that I want, and getting the early sharp splits, opening at minus 9.5, getting out to minus 10 or minus 10.5 at different books. But if the Houston Rockets are going to be without Jabari Smith, and they are going to be without Jabari Smith, we have him ruled out for this game. I do not want to touch it. There is no way in hell I'm backing the Rockets minus 10 without Jabari. They're just not the same team defensively. And then I'm not going to then play, oh, because the Rockets are missing Jabari, I want to grab the plus 10. No. Just because you don't like one side doesn't mean you like the reverse. I also don't like the reverse. Back-to-back, ugly. Are Brogdon, Jeremy Grant, and Aiton all going to play? Who knows? We will see. That injury report will come out in 12 hours or so. And I won't really care because I'll be at the DMV and I'll have no action on that game. The Cleveland Cavaliers travel to Milwaukee. Cavaliers going for their ninth straight win. They're 13-3 and in their last 16. And my, I, did the starters come out? Yet? Did the all-star starters come out yet? In my opinion, it should have been Donovan. I'll look into that in a minute. But news of the day was Adrian Griffin being fired from Milwaukee. Now, you want to know what I think? No-brainer. You guys have been listening to Check Ball, which we're going to do a little schedule update in one second. I've been doing these weekly shows with AV where we just talk random basketball stuff. And we talked about both of these coaching situations a few weeks ago. We said, "What's who's the coach on the hottest of hot seats? And AV took us and started off and said, it's got to be Adrian Griffin. And I was like, yeah, no brainer. And we had the whole discussion of, are the Milwaukee Bucks going to fire him in their first season? Do they have balls to just immediately admit that this was the wrong hire? The writing was on the walls. If you had watched the Milwaukee Bucks, the body language was atrocious. The X's and O's were off. They were barely beating bad teams. They have a 30 and 13 record right now, but they're they're not winning the games that they should. They're not smacking teams like they should. They're beating bad teams by really slim margins. They've been getting lucky with a lot of fourth quarter game performances. So, Bringing in Doc Rivers is going to be a huge boost to this team. I absolutely love the Doc Rivers pick. Now, do I love Doc Rivers as a coach? Yes and no. I think he's an incredible coach. I think we've gotten to the point where he's incredibly underrated. Everyone wants to point to, uh, what, three, three, one series leads that ended up going the other way. The only way you get to a 3-1 series lead is by getting to the playoffs, 
getting yourself in a really positive situation in a series and then having it go the other way. Yes, there's been some events in some situations that have worked against him. You still work your teams into amazing positions. Doc Rivers still has amazing rapport with his superstars. Doc Rivers still has a ring. Doc Rivers has been on Bill Simmons' podcast for all season every few weeks talking about how he overhauled that magic offense when he coached in Orlando mid-season at the flip of a switch. Now, do we think that's some sort of ode and omen to him being able to come into a new team mid-season and being able to flip things and switch things? Yes. Do I think I he knew kind of what he was talking about? Yes. Do I think that we should still believe it? Yes. This is Doc freaking Rivers. Absolute legend in the game, and he will be a great coach for Damon Giannis. Now, the question is, does he get Giannis to set a fucking screen for Dame? If he does, Milwaukee suddenly got dangerous. So what, what happened to Milwaukee yesterday was their championship odds just went up. Now, I don't know if that's in actuality. I wasn't tracking the futures market. But I said a few weeks ago, give me the heat over the box. I don't know if I feel that way with Doc Rivers. Spolster was going to work laps around Adrian Griffin in a seven-game series where it was Griffin's potential first series or second series as a head coach. Brock Rivers at least has been around the block. Now, I think Spolster is a better tactical coach. But this brings the Bucks up to where they're probably going to beat the Heat. They might even beat the 76ers. They might even beat the Celtics. This puts them right back into title contention in my mind. Oklahoma City Thunders visiting the San Antonio Spurs. What's becoming the rookie of the year face-off? Now, let's quickly talk about betting this game. Then let's talk about the rookie of the year race. Betting this game, the Spurs are the clear sharp side. Look at these splits right now. 60% of their bets on OKC. 53% of the money on the spread on San Antonio side. So massive discrepancy here. Public action on OKC. Sharp money on San Antonio. Line opened at Spurs plus eight. It is now to a juiced plus seven, moving a full point through valuable numbers, and you have to pay for it. It's kind of an ugly spot to come in and back this market, so I don't really want anything in this game. I think it's fairly priced and well-positioned. The total has been bouncing between 241.5 and 241. I think that is well-priced as well. And then I go over to the futures market and see this is the face-off between Wemby and Chet. And right now, Wemby has moved into the consensus favorite. He is minus 115 on DraftKings. I think minus 125 on FanDuel. Chet Holmgren plus 100 on FanDuel. Minus 115 on DraftKings. Those are the best odds that you could find in those respective players. So, so Wemby just took over the lead in the race after that smacking versus Embiid. Embiid gave Wemby 70. I think what Wemby still put up 33 points. And Wemby moves number one in the rookie of the year race because rookie of the year does not a few things. 65 games does not matter. So if you're wondering if they're going to get injured and be disqualified, they are not going to be disqualified. Maybe they get injured and miss enough time that the voters still vote for someone like Hawkes or Lively or Pods or whoever. I think that's very far-fetched. But it's not going to be like, oh, if they don't reach 65 games, they won't be eligible for the award. These guys have such a stranglehold on the lead. If they both play 60 games, they'd both be eligible still. They'd both be the two lead candidates. So I don't think it's a 
injury risk management games played thing. Uh, I think this is a narrative building moment. Now, a lot of these awards are narrative driven. And when you get into the head to head matchups, like we saw between Embiid and Jokic in MVP races the last few years, the head to head matchups matter a lot in these voters' eyes and these narrative driving conversations. And we're all going to reapproach the rookie of the year conversation in 24 hours. So as a better, I want to say, let's have that conversation before we need to. And what are the implications of this? And I look at this board and I look at the odds and I say, everything's relatively priced the same, whether that's minus 112, minus 110 on a spread, minus 115 on a prop line that you might play, minus 115 on an award or plus 100 is the best odds you can get on a Chet award. Those are all relatively priced into the same general area of implied probabilities between plus 100 and minus 120. It's a, it's, it's a slim margin. So I'd rather, if any of your betting angles are, oh, I think Chet takes a, wins this game and takes a good stranglehold in the rookie of the year race, you're much better off just betting the game. Why tie that money up with Chet in the rookie of the year race, if you think he takes a large stranglehold in this game, then just bet OKC, bet the money line, bet OKC minus seven, bet Chet Holmgren's over props because it's 15 and a half. So if you think he's going to take a big stranglehold in the game, that's because some results. So just take the prop angle. But the reason why you should go to the futures market right now is if you already have an existing position on one of these players, if you already have Wembenyama at plus money, if you already have Chet Holmgren at plus money and you don't have a portfolio approach, these guys have both sat in the plus money ranges. So it's very possible that you have one of them and grabbed up that ticket when it was still at plus money, right? Maybe you saw Chet dominating early season. And you said, oh, Chet's still plus 200. Let me scoop that up. And now it's a few months later. Wemby's climbing back into the lead, but it's still right there again. So now would be your opportunity to create an arbitrage situation and to create a portfolio approach where you have both of them. Why? Because this game is going to drive the narrative a lot that if you are on the wrong, so say you're on the Chet Holmgren side of a futures ticket and Wemby comes out and fucking dominates this game. And you have a Chet Holmgren plus 200. And after this game, it becomes Wemby minus 190 because he fucking dominates then you will never see better than minus 190 again. And then you're going to have to play the minus 190. And then your whole kind of ROI is going to be shot in the foot. Or on the flip side, maybe you have a uh, Wembenyama ticket. And now is your time that you could get in on Chet. And Chet comes out and the Thunder body the Spurs. The Thunder win by 24. Chet has 30 and 10. Wembenyama has 20 and 8. Chet fucking dominates. Big Thunder win. Boom. Chet's minus 150 tomorrow. So if you don't have any Chet action, you only have Wemby action, like flip the board right now is, was my recommendation. Get action on both if you have action on one in terms of a portfolio. Hawks versus Golden State Warriors. I am happy that the Golden State Warriors are getting back to business. Um, good on them. I don't really know what to say. I almost want to stay away from it right now. I think anyone getting into the sports psychology angle of what's happened with the Warriors recently 
You know, here's what I think. I'll get into it a little bit. If anyone bets, so I'm on the Atlanta Hawks and I got it at plus seven for three quarters of a unit because when I saw the plus seven and other plus 6.5s on the board, I wanted to swoop that up. If I had a plus 7.5 like it is now, I would have taken it for a full unit because I would have gotten the key number of the seven, but be only because I only had the plus seven. Like I love minus 6.5s. I love plus 7.5s. I love minus 4.5s because the 5, 6, 7, 8, and I love plus 8.5s. I like to be bracketed into my ranges of key numbers. So when I saw plus 7 and other plus 6.5s on the board, I did grab a plus 7 for three quarters of a unit. Of course, I would have liked the plus 7.5 where it is now, and I think it you could play it. Um, but I ultimately think there's going to be people that play the Hawks in this game and cite what the Warriors have been through tragically and their sports psychology angle. And honestly, those people kind of deserve to lose their Hawks bets. It's, it's fucking gross. We don't know the sports psychology angle of this. We can't really use historic. We don't like, it's so far fetched to apply other things to this specific incident with the Warriors and then how they're going to play in this game against a Trey young list Hawks who then have so many trade rumors swirling. Like, Chemistry-wise, which team's in more, in more turmoil right now? You, we're hoping the Warriors can come together in a time of tragedy. Are the Hawks splitting apart at the seams in, in, in trade rumors? Like, it feels gross to talk about this game. So I'm going to more or less stay away from it. I am on the Hawks, plus seven, like I said. The Hawks have been playing better basketball. They have the few game winners with DeJounte. I think their size presents problems for Golden State. Um, I think they have good length on the perimeter to step out on the shooters. Without Trey Young, they're going to be more of a DeJounte Murray focal point. So it should be a more of a defensive effort. Should be more DeJounte, Bogdanovich, Jalen Johnson, Sadiq Bays, Okongwu's, Capellas. That's a really lengthened defensive team. Uh, Quinn Snyder, coach of the Hawks, very familiar with a kind of Steve Kerr-like scheme. He's actually kind of running it in the East, but they're not as attuned to it and give them a few years, maybe some different players till they get it down. I think Quinn's the right coach, but they should be able to defend against the Warriors because of this, because of the style of basketball is probably what they see a lot during practice and what they talk about during film studies. So I do think the Hawks are going to come out well-prepared. I have no idea about how the the Hornets, I mean, the Warriors are going to come out. I do think if you're going to bet this, maybe you do want to bet it small because of the psychological angle of this and because of the unknown of it. But if you are making a bet and you are doing it for the sole purpose of this is the sports psychology angle and this tragedy happened, so I'm going to bet this angle because of that, that's not the reason to bet it, guys. We don't have enough historical significance. We don't have enough data. We do, And it's also, it's just fucking gross. That just feels like ugly and icky. Uh, mine are basketball reasons why I'm on the Hawks. And uh, yeah, those are going to be my best bets. My computer's almost out of battery, so let's quickly review it. Hawks plus seven is what I got. Three quarters of a unit. I don't have anything on the Spurs Thunder, but I think you should check in with the futures market if you have a one-sided ticket. 
Uh, Booker versus the Suns Mavericks. I didn't even get to talk about this one. Again, computer's about to die. Um, let's see. I am on the under here. Is that it? Oh, and the Hawks. I think that's it, fellas. All right. Thank you for tuning in. As always, go sign up for the fiddlespicks.substack.com. I can't believe I only have two bets on a Wednesday. It is what it is. Appreciate you guys tuning in. 4.10 in the morning as I sign off. Peace out. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.